Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Home Energy Design. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and today I have Dr. Dream Dial on the show. For more information about the show or show notes, be sure to head on over to the website, gatesinteriordesign.com. I always forget to mention that, and we always have that information on our website in case you don't want to go back and listen to the whole thing. We try to do the highlights along with some links so that you have easy access to it. I also want to remind everyone I've written an incredible book, Easy Everyday Habits to Be More Eco-Friendly. It's an ebook, super easy to read. But I want to mention that because Dr. Dreeman and I, we discussed on the show today that consumption does not equal happiness. And I want to remind everyone that consumption also harms our planet. So whether you're new to this eco game or a seasoned pro, this ebook provides tons of tips to get you started in living a more sustainable life, along with some advanced tips to up your planetary sustainable game. Go to our website to grab your copy or to learn more. All right. The reason that I wanted to share Dreama's story along with how she has tapped into living her purpose is that she, like many of us and many of my listeners, has a success story that has many twists and turns. Success is never a straight line. And once she was able to tap into how she can serve, helping hundreds of people define and find their own purposes and places of peace and maybe a little pleasure, she realized that everyone needed and could have the secret sauce. Today, we are going to discuss what success really looks like and an idea of having your cake and eating it too. Wouldn't we all like to have that? Permission to have and enjoy pleasure in your life and how to find stillness and why finding that internal compass within us really matters. And hey, we're also going to talk about learning to be comfortable with discomfort. Sounds uncomfortable, right? (laughs) And determining what's truly holding you back from your greatness. This show is chocked full of incredible information on how to overcome your fear and embrace change so that you can really serve. It's going to be kick-ass. Are you ready? Hell yeah, let's do this. Welcome to Home Energy Design. I am your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm super excited to have Dr. Dreama Dial on the show today. Welcome, Dreama. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have you. I was on your show a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sure you run into this too, but what I find is that um, what happens is, is that I quickly, it's like I want to take over. Because I'm a host, right? So you'll be asking me questions, and then it'll prompt me. I'll I'll want to reply, but then I'll want to like go back and go. Well, I don't know. What do you think about that? Because that's a curious, you know. And so I've got to be very very careful with that. So, um, 
I'm excited to have you on because I think that your um, success and, and the trajectory of your career is, a, is an interesting one. And I think that a lot of my listeners are not only going to relate to your life, but also this idea of going down one path and going, hmm, I don't think this is the right direction and kind of course correcting and deciding to go a different direction and maybe doing a little course correcting mm -hmm. and kind of hitting the sweet spot. So I'm curious, uh, my audience may or may not have heard of you, but you started out in fashion and then right. became a traditional doctor in counseling. And now you're kind of this, um, I would call you a, a fantastic guru who really takes this uh, wealth of knowledge that you've acquired to really help people find their purpose. So tell us how all of that unfolded to get you to where you are today. I know it doesn't seem like going from fashion to being an online entrepreneur would really mesh, right? But I remember the moment clearly. I was working in downtown San Francisco and I had a, a group of regular clients who would come in and they would spend thousands of dollars to update their wardrobe. And this one woman was always so unhappy. But the more we piled on the clothes, the happier she got. And so she would spend her thousands of dollars and then she would leave. And one day I thought, I can't do this anymore. I'm helping people from the outside. And once those price tags are off, they're gonna be just as unhappy. Retail therapy only lasts so long. And so it was actually at that moment that I decided to go back to school. Well, then life happens and I went off in other directions and had a couple of babies and then went, I've got to go back to school. It's time. It's going through a divorce and people were like, you cannot do graduate school with two little kids. And I was like, watch me. Because I thought, you know what? My kids are young. They won't know that we're really poor. It worked out great. <laughs> I built a private practice. I loved it. Absolutely loved seeing my, my clients in person. But my partner liked, liked to travel. And we would go and travel for a couple of weeks. And I finally started thinking, okay, there's got to be a way to do this. And so we would travel for two or three weeks. And during one or two of those weeks, I just started having client calls. I didn't realize it, but I was training my clients to be able to work with me from anywhere in the world. And then one day we thought, what if we wanted to live overseas? What if we wanted to live abroad? And that's where I decided to transition from brick and mortar to being an online entrepreneur and doing what I love. I'm able to reach more people this way. And I get to live anywhere in the world, which currently is the South of France. Not so shabby. So from fashion to the South of France, I think they all do kind of come back together, don't you think? Well, I think that what's beautiful about this dynamic that you have created is this idea of women especially i feel like you know we have kind of put ourselves on the back burner and and we've been brought up that way to put our needs last and to not really question but am i happy like how right. dare you yeah. So I feel like we're, we're getting in this paradigm shift where we're starting to open up to the idea and be a little bit about, uh, or a little bit more curious about this idea of, but what would that look like? Like, what would that look like? is it possible? 
and being able to literally have your cake and eat it too, right? Like to be able to truly have and, and really sit in the soup of your purpose in that sense of fulfillment to also being able to fulfill this idea of travel and living where you want. I mean, you're really able to tap into both. One of the things that I loved, which you just pinged on with the, the retail therapy that I saw on your website, is you said from the outside, it looks like you have it all, but on the inside, you feel tired and dead. Right. And I love that because I think that that rings true for most of society. And it's interesting because I just wrote an ebook easy everyday habits to sustainable living and the underlying undercurrent of this book is about consumption. Oh, We've wow. been bred to believe that happiness comes if we buy and consume more. It's this gluttonous behavior that if I just buy more clothes, if I just buy more food, if I just buy more things, if I get the car, I get the house, I get, the, at some point, I'm going to reach the top of the mountain and I'm going to be happy. Right. Yay. Except now I'm at the top of the mountain and I'm asking myself, why aren't I happy? Yeah. I have it all. I look around and I go, I'm empty. And this is the most troubling thing because I work with so many people from the outside it does truly look like they have it all like i would like that home i would like to have those cars oh my god but when they start opening up they're telling me about feeling shame about feeling guilt about always needing to buy something else or have something else in order to convince themselves that they're happy and it doesn't work that way and you know we went through this process in moving here of deciding we had to decide you know are we going to ship all of our things what are we going to do and we finally decided we would just get rid of everything what and was that like it was horrifying at first you know we had a, we had a great big home it was filled with wonderful things and it was really hard because everything i would pick up would be like but i remember when i got this and oh but after a while that process became really liberating and the hardest thing for me at the very end was getting rid of my books. I love books. And I had, in between my office at home and my brick and mortar office, I had thousands of books. And so those were the last things to go. But I remember thinking somebody else will enjoy these. And when I took them to the bookstore, the clerk work, working there opened the book, opened up the box of books and said, oh my God, these are psychology books. I'm a psychology major. You made my day. And I was like, thank you universe for showing me that when you get rid of your things, other people get to enjoy them. It was time. It was time. So yeah, we went to the suitcase. And, and I, you know, and I've been through that experience too. When I went, when I was going through my divorce, um, I, I had to do it because I had a very expensive divorce that I had to pay for. And so um, the quickest way to getting money to afford my attorney was to sell off everything that I owned. Right. I sold my car. I sold all my furniture. Uh, I had a massive auction at my house. And I, like you, kind of went into it of, but I remember when I got these things. However, the flip side of that is, is that 
those things hold, you know, past memories and old energy. And I couldn't believe how much lighter I felt on the other yeah. side. I felt free and I didn't feel tied down. And, and that's when I kind of started to come to this reality of our things are not related to our happiness. They are not what makes us happy. It's our experiences around them that does. And so I'm curious when clients first come to you, you know, obviously we've had the epiphany, we're the enlightened ones now, but when clients come to you, where are they typically at in life? Like I imagine that they are burnt out, they're afraid. And, and so how do you, you know, where they're at in their life, how do you get them on the, the trajectory of, okay, these are the steps that we're going to take to get you to this side. That's a, that's a really good question. And you know, one of my first questions to a new client is what's holding you down? And the answer to that just tells me so much because they can take it as a very literal thing. They can hear it as, as a metaphor, but where they start tells me where they need to go. You know, so if I have a person who says, well, what's really holding me down is my relationship. Okay, that's a big start. What's really holding me down is my mess. It's my mess. Everywhere I look, I have a mess. You know, and that tells me that they have gotten too involved in the materialism of their, of their life. And so we just want to start by figuring out how can we lighten you up? If it's a relationship, then let's talk about that relationship because we all need to be in supportive, reciprocal relationships. And sometimes we don't know how to get that or conversely, we don't know if we deserve it. And that's a hard one. Yeah, I would say deserve and worthiness are a big one for a lot of people. I'm curious, do people know? Do they always know what's holding them back? No, no. And that's okay because then we're just going to start a conversation and figure out, you know, where, what are the areas in your life that just aren't working for you? And sometimes maybe it's sleep or maybe it's eating habits. Maybe it is a relationship. Maybe it's their job. Maybe it's mother. Who knows what it is? We all have something. And so the question becomes, how do we work around those things so that you can begin to feel like you have agency in the most important part of your life, which is here. Well, I think that the benefit of working with someone like you is that whether they do or they don't know what that thing is that could potentially be holding them back or, or what that crutch is, is that sometimes you need just an accountability partner and you need somebody to give you permission, right? Like you just need somebody to say, it's okay to leave that relationship. Oh, <laughs> right. I'm curious, um, you know, when you get these people and they are stuck in their lives and, and, you know, they externally look like they have all these amazing things in their life. And, um, that always cracks me up that, you know, when people have the house and the cars and the clothes and it's like from the outside, we're going, man, they have it all. And in actuality, they, they really don't. What are some techniques that you use with your clients to kind of move past that bullshit and the inner chatter that they've created of, I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. I'll never be happy and really help them get unstuck. That's a, that's a great question because you know, it really comes down to our mindset, how we think about ourselves, how we see ourselves moving through the world. 
And so I ask people to first check in with their self-talk. We all have self-talk running in the background all of the time, but we don't listen to it. And yet it drives a lot of our behavior. So if you think about your self-talk, most of the time, it's things that have gotten ingrained from childhood. So if you had a very critical parent or you felt like you weren't good enough, that's gonna be running in the background all of the time. So if I wanna start a new project, for example, maybe I get really excited, I'm gonna do this project, maybe I'm gonna write a book, and then this little voice pops up in the background that says, you can't do that, you never finish what you start. Who do you think you are wanting to write a book? You're not even a writer. And so what happens is I'm not listening to this, but I am reacting to it. I'm responding to it by putting off. Maybe I'm going to procrastinate. Maybe I'm going to distract myself. Maybe I'm just going to forget about it totally. And next year I'll go, I wonder why I never wrote that book. So the first thing you have to do is check in with that self-talk and see what am I telling myself? And I always suggest that people begin to work on this by writing down three things every day that they did well, that they liked, somebody said something nice to them, because I want people to be able to train their brain to start recognizing and looking for the good, the positive, the things that are going to help motivate you to do those things that are outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, and I agree with you that um, most of us do have self-deprecating self-talk. Um, it's the ego and it runs the show. It, I always say it's like the example of uh, being in a humiliating situation and you're in a crowd and the ego's like, excuse me, pardon me, I got this. <laughs> um, but I love this idea of writing down three things that you do well, because what the one of the things that I talk about on this show a lot is I created this system called above and below the cross emotions. And so the above the cross emotions are joy and happiness, pleasure. It's really about the goods in life. And below the cross emotions are all about hate, disgust, frustration, disappointment, anger, rage. And I, we did actually research on this about human behavior and found that 75% of society lives in those emotions. And it comes from that self-talk. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And so I love this idea of writing down three things that you do well, that you enjoyed, that light you up, because I feel like that creates a new neural path. It gets mm -hmm. you out of the negative loop and it helps you kind of elevate from my world. I would say it helps elevate your chi, your energy so that you get excited and you get in that above the cross soup so that you start getting motivated and inspired to do something like you mentioned on your website, you know, to, uh, start the philanthropic foundation, get the job or the business that you've always wanted, take a painting class, uh, you know, take a trip to Africa. These are things that we don't always jump to, like you said earlier, that we can do because that self-deprecating self-talk comes in and tells us we can't. But this idea of focusing more on the positive kind of sets those negative uh, thoughts aside and says, but you can. 
right. look at all the great things you have done. It really decreases the power that those negative thoughts have had for so long until we get them under control. You know, and here's a, here's a great example. I'm going to use myself as an example. I was putting together a retreat. And so I was looking around at some other people who do retreats and I stumbled on this website. And this, this woman said, sign up fast because the last five retreats have sold out within 24 hours. And I went, <laughs> and I went immediately into this place of fear. I'll never be able to do that. Oh my God, why do I think I can do this? I'm so stupid. Just, and then went, wait, wait, what just happened? What just happened? Okay, you got scared. You got scared and anxious, but you don't have to go live there. You don't have to dig a hole and crawl in. You can acknowledge that you're kind of anxious about doing this, and that's okay. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means you're going to step outside of your comfort zone. Once I, once I talked myself back from the ledge, it was fine. But a lot of people don't necessarily understand their own process. And so somebody else may have been like, that's it, I'm not doing this. And they would slam their computer shut and walk away because that fear would have taken over in that moment. Yeah, and I love you, that you brought up this idea of getting outside of your comfort zone. One of my coaches used to always say, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And exactly. I think that when we can get in that space, that's where the most growth occurs. When we really yeah. push ourselves, if you constantly live in this place of fear, anxiety, um, disappointment, uh, unworthiness, you can't propel yourself forward. You can't really grow. You don't really learn um, and you stay stuck. It's those moments when you do push yourself and allow that anxiety to be a positive so that mm -hmm. it creates action in your life right. and you do something and it turns out amazing. It can become something that you write about each night in your three tips. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yay me. Cause you know, so many of us, we, we get up in the morning and we think about all the things that we have to do and we go to bed and we're thinking about all the things we didn't do. And what people are missing in between there is think about what you managed to do. Focus on what you got done. Celebrate the fact that you did those things. And people will immediately say, yeah, but those were things I had to do. No, actually, you didn't have to do them. You had a choice. You didn't have to meet that deadline. You didn't have to finish the project. You have a choice. We always have a choice. I'm asking you to make the choice to focus on celebrating yourself, to get, give yourself credit where credit is due. Yeah, and I think that the word celebrate is such a, a beautiful way to put it because we do tend to focus always on the negative. We focus on what we didn't do rather on what we did do. I think that that is such a, I'm hoping that everybody listening to this right now stops what you're doing and just reiterate, focus on what you did do, not on what you didn't do. I think that if, if they take away anything, take away that because- it's so important to, um, you know, and I had um, Stephanie Burns from Chic CEO on the podcast about three years ago, 
And she talked about how as, especially women, we tend to go into the office in the morning and write down 25 things that we have to get done for that day. And we truly think we can do that. And she said, rather than trying to accomplish 25 things and leaving the office feeling like a failure, walk into your office and write down three things and accomplish those three things so that when you leave your office that day, you feel like a kick-ass superhero. Exactly. It's so simple. But it's so simple, but we make it so hard for ourselves. We love to overcomplicate. I mean, I'm, I can, <laughs> I'm a recovering overcomplicator. <laughs> but I will say that there was something psychologically um, empowering around this idea of when I would open up my calendar, if I didn't have a hundred things on there, I didn't feel productive. I felt like, how dare I? Right. So, Slapper. Right. So I had to kind of step back and go, now, wait a minute. If I could actually get three things done every single day, let's say for 300 days of the year, I'm going to accomplish far more than trying to haphazardly uh, and really crappily get, you know, maybe two of those 25 done and then feel like a yeah. failure. So you mentioned on your website this idea of an internal compass and how we never use it. And I feel like that's our intuition, but can you talk a little bit about that and, and what that, how you help people kind of tap into that? Mm. You know, one of, one of the things that I find is really difficult for a lot of people these days is sitting still, ah. just sitting and being with themselves. And so I have a very simple exercise that I assign to everybody that I work with because it tells me a lot about where they are. And I call it take five because literally I want you to take five minutes and set a timer on your phone and sit in the morning with your cup of coffee, your cup of tea. And I want you to do nothing but focus on that cup of coffee. I want you to smell it. I want you to look at the color. I want you to feel the warmth of it in your hands. And I want you to think about nothing but your cup of coffee for five minutes. It's amazing how difficult this exercise is. Because what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to simply be present with one thing. One thing for five minutes. And most people are like, uh, no, I forgot. I thought about other things. Uh, I tried. It's just, you know, these excuses come out because we're uncomfortable just sitting with ourselves. We're uncomfortable just sitting in the present. And so what I tell people is, look, if you can commit to doing this, on the fifth, sixth, seventh day, you're going to notice a shift. You're going to notice a stillness. You're going to notice you look forward to creating some calmness for yourself with intention. And you can expand that time or you can keep it to five minutes, but it will be a game changer for you. And inevitably, the people who do commit and follow through report back, oh my God, I thought you were crazy telling me that five minutes was going to change my life, but it has. I find that I'm much calmer throughout the day. I find that I'm looking forward to the rest of my day. I like it. Five minutes, five minutes. So what, yeah. what you do there is you're beginning to learn how to listen to yourself. 
your intuition, your gut, we all have different words for it, but it really is about learning to sit still with yourself so that you know what it is that you want, what do you need? And most of us don't know that when we're busy running around and checking our phone the minute we wake up or putting our phone beside our bed so that we can check it if we woke up at night, we drive ourselves crazy and we can make our lives a lot easier. Sitting still, five minutes. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, uh, Emily Fletcher, who I had on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, she was, let me take a look at my sheet here. She was podcast number 29. Um, she has this great thing called Come to Your Senses. And she talks about this idea where you sit down for five minutes and it's a mindfulness practice. And it's this idea of close your eyes and feel your skin, like feel what's going on and hear what's going on, taste what's going on and, and visualize in your mind, you know, what's going on. Um, and then, you know, it, it's literally all five senses, just come to yeah. your senses. And it's, it's literally the same idea. It's this idea that we feel like we've got to be doing five things at one time. Otherwise we are that slacker. We're not being productive. We have so much mm -hmm. to do. We have too much to do. Um, we can't possibly sit still. Right. But you also can't tap into that intuition when you're stuck up here in the froth. No, you absolutely can't. And it's really, I kind of, Somebody said to me once, are you tricking me? Are you trying to get me to meditate? <laughs> I'm trying to get you to be mindful. I'm trying to get you to be present. And a lot of people have a reaction to the idea of meditation because they don't necessarily understand it or they think I'm just going to be sitting on a cushion chanting for an hour. No, we all have different ways of doing meditation or mindfulness and they're all okay. This is just an easy way in to getting still. That's all we need. We all need some stillness. And five minutes can lead to you learning how to meditate and maybe sitting there for 30. Who knows? My idea is to start with the five minutes. Start with where you are. I think what's amazing too is that we so often live in the chatter and the go, go, go we don't honor the stillness because we don't fully understand the beauty of it and what it can really bring us because we've really been led to believe that where the magic happens is in the chatter when in actuality it the magic happens in the stillness and i think that what's amazing about the stillness this happens to me a lot in yoga where i'm in a you know a nice dark room for an hour and i'm breathing really deep right. i just start getting downloads and i'm like shit i need a piece of paper and this is magical <laughs> um but it's that idea where you're being still you're breathing you know it's it's not a meditation but it is a um a place where you can get still because you're not thinking as much, at least I'm not, because I'm trying to remember what the heck the instructor's telling me. But I have found a lot of my clients have that happen to them too. Mm. When they go for a walk, when they do yoga, when they do some other activity where they're not thinking about all the things that they have to do. And it's like, right. I look at it as a kinked hose. It's like when you're doing all of those things, the hose is kinked and it can barely trickle out. And then you get quiet and the hose opens up and then, you know, the flood of ideas come in. Right. Absolutely. So 
I can imagine that as you're working with people, they come to you, they're frazzled, they're burnt out, they're afraid. Um, they're probably saying to you, my God, is there anything else? I mean, is there anything more to life than this? Um, so you get them to maybe find some stillness, kind of get clear about what they need to eliminate, trim the fat. Now they're starting to get to this place where they can tap into their own compass and they can start really getting clarity around what it is that they want. So at this point, how can you really help them get to the core of what finding out what they do want looks like or getting more clarity around, okay, we're getting pretty close here. So how mm -hmm. can you help facilitate that for them so that they can really get to that aha? You know, a lot of times it has to do with giving themselves permission and permission to do whatever. The whatever, it doesn't actually matter. It's the somewhere along the line, they stop themselves. So they're really, really good at what they do, right? So they may be a great attorney, doctor, executive, whatever. They're really good, but they have forgotten themselves somewhere along the line. And so a lot of times I will ask them, what would you like to do as a kid? What do you remember liking to do? And you know, it can be very simple from coloring. It could be, well, I used to really like going to the movies. And so I asked them to do that again. Go out and do that. You want me to color? If that's what you like to do as a kid, I want you to get back in touch with that. Because what I'm asking them to do there is put aside their ego. I run a big company and you want me to go buy a coloring book. <laughs> yes, exactly it. And by doing so, they learn to let go of this part of them that has to be in charge and tap back in to the pleasure. They're just going to tap back into something that they stopped giving themselves permission to have a long time ago. A lot of times, this also creeps up in relationships because I'm used to being in charge at work. And so when I come home, I'm, I want to be, you know, looked up to. Well, that's not a reciprocal relationship. So let's talk about how to do that. And so a lot of times it starts with a really simple thing of when you get home, the first thing I want you to do when you get home is I want you to notice your wife, your husband, your partner, whoever, and say something nice. Don't go in and start talking about your day. Don't boss people around. Start off by saying something nice. Let's make it about the other person. Because sometimes that connection has gotten kind of shaky in their uncomfortable couple rut. And this shakes it up. And this again is I need to remember I want to have a reciprocal relationship. Again, you're asking the ego to step aside and just come from the heart. And these things, they sound simple, but they're not so simple when you're trying to put them into practice. I mean, it really is. Uh, it's very humbling for people to go get a coloring book or to pick up some finger paints. I get it. But the result is always worth it. Yeah, and I, I think that what you're saying about this idea of coming home and kind of flipping the script, it can be so hard to 
not kind of dump on your partner all the shitty things that went wrong and all the crazy things and oh my gods and like it were kind of ingrained in that motion and to like i said flip the script and make it about them your partner is expecting you to come and dump on them mm-hmm. or, or dump, you know be dumped on and so this idea of well, you look really pretty today, or it smells so good in here. What have you been baking? Or, you know, how was your day? They're not expecting that. And so that then elevates their chi because Mm -hmm. then they can get a word out and talk about themselves. And so from a feng shui standpoint, that really shifts the energy in the environment and changes it to a positive, which then kicks off the evening on a positive note. Exactly. Exactly. And it really does shift things. It's the dynamic, you know, we, we all do this. If you're in any sort of relationship, we all get comfortable, you know, we have our little routines and our rituals and this shakes things up and reminds us, oh, there's more to you than I've been thinking about. And I kind of like that. Yeah. And I think it's really important for you can get into that rut really easily, but I think it's really important to really honor your partner, your kids, the the family, the friends, the neighbors that you have around you, because they are your support system and they are so important. And we tend to put such trivial things in the way and call them important, but in actuality, they're not. Like at the end of the day, the, the, the things that matter most are um, the things that influence you the most. And those are the, the people and the experiences and, and the emotions that they, they give you. And so I think that it's such an important tip to say, hey, you know, ask your kids how their day was and what they learned and what are some great things that happened. And same thing with your spouse, because I think that it kicks off the conversation in such a positive way And then it also gets the relationship to a deeper level. So we're getting out of that surface bullshit that doesn't matter. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. So I'm curious, um, tell us what a negative mindset, in your opinion, does to hold us back versus this idea of coming at things with that positive mindset instead. I think we have an idea, but I think that this is really important for the audience to hear because remember 75% of society lives in below the cross emotions. Oh, that's such a horrifying statistic. You know, a negative mindset or a closed mindset is the person who fears competition. So they never step out against anybody. They're always looking for the possibility of disaster so they, they're probably a worrier, anxiety-based. So they're always looking towards the future or the past. Things that we can't do anything about. You can't change your past. You can't change your future. You can only work on now. But if you've got a closed mindset, you're much less likely to step outside of your comfort zone because you want security. You want to know what's going to happen. You want to make sure you're going to be okay. And so these are the people who just kind of along through life and don't change anything and want to stay in a job for 30 years and retire. They don't want to travel because, you know, those people are different. I don't know the language. So there's always a reason not to leave the comfort zone. 
somebody with an open mindset or a growth mindset is looking for opportunities. They see failure as, well, what can I learn from that? And failure just means that I tried. Okay, so that's getting out of your comfort zone. So they're looking for opportunity. They're looking for opportunity to see what they can learn, what they can change. They welcome competition because it means, hey, we get to go head to head on something. That's kind of fun. And so it's really about embracing opportunity and embracing change and embracing risk, which doesn't mean that you're a, an impulsive person necessarily. It just means that if an opportunity comes your way, you're much more likely to say yes, because why not? You know, why shouldn't I take this new job? It sounds like it's going to open new doors for me. Why shouldn't I go back to school? Yes, I'm older than, you know, the 20-year-olds, but that's okay. Maybe I can learn something from them. So it's just like having your heart be more open to the world. Mm, the magical words, is your heart open? I have a podcast for that. <laughs> podcast number 30 and podcast number 19 talk about cacao, raw cacao, and how to open your heart. So I, I want to mention that because uh, what Dreama is talking about is this idea that if we are, if 75% of us are in those below the cross emotions, that means that our heart is shut down. I feel that our heart gets shut down because when we are kids, we experience some sort of trauma, humiliation, disappointment, frustration, anger, around a stress. And now as an adult, we reach into that childlike mind and remember when we were three, how that made us feel. And so now we don't want to do it at 45. <laughs> That's exactly it. So you are literally speaking uh, about... I have somebody in my mind, as you're saying, somebody who lives with fear and somebody who lives with worry, and, and she's a good friend of mine. And she's actually starting to open up quite a bit. Our friendship has um, deepened quite a bit in the last couple of years. And she's starting to notice that I'm always peaceful and happy and calm. And, and she's starting to take notice. But thinking about her, uh, as you're saying these things, my question is, is that if we take a person like her that doesn't have someone like me or knows or you know is familiar with someone like you how can they start or get comfy with this idea of maybe dipping their toe and not being so consumed by the ego's fear the ego coming in in that party <laughs> i'm here i got this um, you know, you said embracing change and embracing risk, but for somebody who is risk adverse, you just made their butt pucker, right? They're like, exactly. I can't. Yeah. So for somebody who is listening to this going, yeah, that sounds great, Dreama. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> what would your suggestion be for someone like that? You know, I am a big proponent of start where you can have success because success builds confidence. Success builds confidence means we're going to be more willing to take risks. And so start small. And I'm thinking of a specific person that I worked with a long time ago who just was scared to death of people, scared to death of interactions. And so we started with, okay, when you are walking into your classroom, just briefly look around and make a split second of eye contact. 
I mean, this was terrifying to her. But she did, and she discovered it was okay. She survived. And we worked our way to saying hello to the cashier when she was checking out with the groceries. I mean, these, these are very small things for many people. But if it's not a small thing for you, it's huge. Mm. And so wherever you are, think about what scares you and then break it down to the smallest component and start there. Because when we start with a little tiny baby step, it allows us to see we can survive. It's okay. And maybe my baby step truly is saying hello to somebody when I go into a store. Maybe my little tiny baby step is I allow myself to buy a coloring book. Those things aren't big, but they build, build, build. And when you look back, you go, holy crap, I never used to look people in the eye, and now I can. So, yeah, start small and celebrate your successes. Don't tell yourself it was just this or just that. Celebrate said I was going to do it and I did it. Oh, that feels good. And I think that that's so important. And it reminds me of that quote, uh, you know, the journey of a thousand steps starts with a single step. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's the little things that accumulate. And I love the idea of starting with success because when you can get in that space of the uncomfortable fear, the anxiety, the stress, your palms are sweaty, your heart is racing, and whatever that looks like for you. But if you can face that fear head on, even if it's a single glance, even if it's just saying hello to someone, and I understand that can be a very big thing for someone, but to be able to, and it may take you a couple tries, and that is okay. Exactly. But being able to do that and the reward of how you feel on the other side is so worth it. And it will give you the confidence to do more. And then that's what will start to open you up. Exactly, exactly. And you know, I'm gonna tell you that I know this from personal experience because I used to have so little confidence, so little confidence that if I saw somebody that I had met previously coming down the street, I would cross the street because I would live in this fear that they wouldn't remember me. You know, I just, have no confidence, no self-esteem. And so I know these things work because I've had to do them. <laughs> and people who know me today don't know that about me because that's not who I am anymore. But I do remember how difficult it was to push myself to say hello to somebody, to insert myself into a conversation, to say to somebody, I, I painted, would you like to see my painting? You know, all of those things. They work, they work, they work, they work. And learning to celebrate myself is also a big key part of this journey because I used to just minimize and devalidate everything that I did. It was like, well, yeah, okay, you got an A, but so did a lot of other people. Stop, stop, why you gotta be like that? You know, so you really do have to learn how to find your self-compassion when you're learning to make changes. Self-compassion is key because you cannot be compassionate and judgmental at the same time. I love that. And I think it's so true. So start with something small, be kind to yourself, 
write down three things every day that you've done well and sit still. That's what we were yeah. going to leave everybody with. Dreema, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Um, I can talk to you for hours. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the whole reason I started this podcast is just so that I could, you know, have this cool platform where I could reach out to people like you and go, Hey, <laughs> want to come on my <laughs> show? <laughs> when in actuality, it's a very selfish ask. I just wanted to talk to you. <laughs> um, and I'm happy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think that there are a lot of, uh, women that listen to this show and, and quite possibly some men. And if there are some men, reach out to me. I only hear from the women um, <laughs> that, you know, I'm sure are really resonating with everything that you're saying and, you know, could, could benefit from working with someone like you. So where can they find you? And, you know, how can they stalk you? <laughs> Dreamadial.com. And I'm going to spell that because it's Dreamadial. D-R-E-M-A-D-I-A-L.com. You can find me on my website there. You can find me on Facebook, Dream Dial, PhD. And you are welcome to stalk me on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm all over. Yeah, and I would highly encourage it. She has a great website. There's a lot of fantastic information on there. I think that a lot of people will go there and, and um, have some pings like, oh my God, that sounds like me. Right. So I, I think that it will be highly beneficial. We will have show notes uh, on our website uh, for DREAMA. So you can go to um, our website and put in podcast number 35. And DREAMA's information will come up along with show notes about the show today and things that we discussed uh, and DREAMA's website. Thank you again for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. So my hope is, is that after this show, listening to this show, that you really take the time to be kind to yourself, really celebrate your wins, and really define what success means to you. I think it looks, feels, sounds completely different to everyone. And you truly can have your cake and eat it too, but you have to first define what the ingredients are of the cake, right? So learn to be comfortable with discomfort. Learn how you can overcome your fear and embrace the risk because on the other side is where the beauty and the magic completely unfolds. Wouldn't you agree? I'd like to thank you all for listening today. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe. Leave us a review if you really like the show or hey, even if you don't like the show, we still like to hear from you. And uh, if you'd like more information, you can go over to our website, which is gatesinteriordesign.com. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us via email, that is letschatatthegatescompany.com. And I also want to mention our ebook, Easy Everyday Habits to Become More Eco-Friendly. You can also find that on our website. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.